Welcome to this episode of the Roxine Queens podcast. In this episode, I interview award-winning music photographer and studio owner, Corin Cumming. We were also joined by her resident studio sausage dog, Cecil, who is usually at Hot Dog Studios. He gives some uh, very poignant thoughts during the interview process. Anyway, myself and Corin explore stage diving, working for magazines such as Upset and Rock Sound, and making it as a freelancer. Fresh from tour with As It Is and Enter Shikari, here's Corin. I'm Corin. I'm 24 and I'm a full-time freelance photographer and studio owner. Ooh. <laughs> Super good. How was tour? Where were you last? Tour was great. Um, so I did four days with Shikari February. Yeah. Um, to cover for my friend Tom Pullen, um, while he was out with uh, Don Broco on their arena run. And... Then I got back from that, and two days after that, I had a message from Foley, the drummer of As It Is. Um, he's been, like, they've been my friends for a long time, but I've known Foley the longest out of them, asking me if I wanted to come out on their UK B-run. Cool. Um, so it was kind of uh, smaller venues than they would usually play. Ian Coulson, who usually goes out with them, he wanted to spend some time at home, and, um, you know, because they'd just come off of a big US tour. It's a bit much to go straight from a US tour, 30 hours at home, and then go to another tour. Yeah. And he didn't have to do that, so uh, he jumped off, and I jumped on for two weeks, then he came back on for the final week of that tour, so he had a bit of a break. So it's now, what day is it? Monday. So that properly ended on Friday, but I technically left the previous Monday. Okay. Um, I left in Stoke while they continued it on, and then I just came back for the Brighton show because I thought it'd be fun yeah it, was. it looked lit I saw I saw you did some crowd surfing was that a Brighton <laughs> you were crowd surfing were you crowd surfing with a camera so when we were in um so Bath is really close to Bristol yeah and one of their like craziest crowds is Bristol um so we went to Bath and I don't know if you've ever been to Bath Moles but it's very low ceiling yes um it's like a very low stage it's a bit of a wild room. Halfway through the show, Patty does, like, two quieter songs. And um, while he was doing his quiet songs, I came over. And there'd been loads of kids crowd surfing all night, all mm-hmm. night crowd mm-hmm. surfing. And there were, like, three security guys on the stage, plus um, their tech, Chris. And Chris was just, like, plugging in guitars and then catching kids. And, like, <laughs> it was absolutely mental. And I thought, you know what? I really want to give it a go. I've never crowd surfed before. I'm going to have a give it a go. So I said to Chris and Ronnie, how much trouble would I be in if I decided to crowd surf? And Chris was like, I ain't catching you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you don't have to catch me. And Ronnie was like, I'll catch you. But Ronnie has glasses. He's oh. really blind. Oh, no. And when he's on stage, he doesn't wear glasses. So he didn't see me coming. So he didn't catch me. <laughs> But I landed on my feet, it was fine. But I crowd surfed with my camera then. Um, and that was fun, I kind of got the bug. So... Oh my gosh. About a week later, we, me and Ronnie decided that in Brighton we were both going to crowd surf together. And then it got to Brighton. Everyone came off stage for um, Patty's Two Quiet songs. Mm. And we're kind of chatting kind of behind the stage. And Ronnie was like, so when are we going to do this? Yeah. I said, dial tones. He was like, yeah, let's go. Like, la- like last bit of dial tones will both go and then um, Patty 
obviously used to be a YouTuber. Yes. He used to live with um, a guy called Luke Cutforth and um, who is also still a YouTuber. Yeah. And so he came down to the show and I had not met him before. Mm. I must I must have done, but yeah, you know, life is busy when you're at, when you're working at a gig and you're shooting and whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, me and Ronnie, we're going we're gonna to crowd surf during dial tones. He was like, I want to come with you. <laughs> I was like, all right, come on then. He goes, when's dial tones? I was like, I think it's after OK or Patchwork Love or something. I was like, I'll, I'll grab you yeah. and we'll go. Yeah. And so uh, dial tones started. I was like, it's time. Let's go time. Let's go. So I grabbed him, <laughs> pulled him into the pit. And then Ronnie was like getting ready to go yeah and so we climbed up onto the barrier and security were kind of looking at us like what are you about to do <laughs> i climbed up and i went and i fell back and then luke just kind of <gasps> flopped like a fish up onto the crowd no and i grabbed his hand and pulled him up with me and then i shot him as as we yeah, kind of I... as we kind of got dropped on our heads oh god <laughs> did you get dropped no oh it was so funny because Usually you come from the back forward. Yeah, yeah. You? What were you doing? Going from the front backwards? <laughs> what? Madness. We were like, we ain't going to go from the back because, yeah, like... There's more chance of being dropped, right? I felt like I felt like if we went from the back, we'd have to ask, like, kids to get us up there. And oh, yeah. it's just like a kerfuffle. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, no, we'll go from the front back. Fair enough. Um, and then uh, one of, as it is, fans called Sam... Uh, like I just turned around and saw Sam holding me and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> thank Hi. you for saving my life. <laughs> because otherwise, like I would have been, like Sam just lowered me slowly to the Gently. floor instead yeah. of letting me just drop. That's like, I've never crowd surfed either. And oh, it's so much fun. <laughs> I've been to probably like, I reckon we've been to a lot of the same gigs. Yeah. I reckon. <laughs> yeah. And I've never crowd surfed. So I've been to a lot of gigs and See, I'm still like, no, not tempted. I still scared. I was put off it by the fact that I was like, oh, I'm, I'm like not a small person. No, me neither. Like, I don't want anyone to, to drop me. I also don't want to squish kids. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm a 24-year-old woman. I should not be, like, <laughs> squishing children by, by, like, literally surfing over there. No, but I've seen I've seen people that are a lot bigger than me and you crowd surfing. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, but that's when I was like, you know what? There are these huge guys going over. Yeah. If they can go over, I'll go over them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Hello. Here comes Woofs. Sit. Oh my gosh. Good boy. He's there happy. But yeah, <laughs> so a good tour then. You've achieved a life goal. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I um when I did the Shikari tour, I kind of turned around like Rao and Rob were like, Did you enjoy it? Have you had a nice time? It's like, yeah, I have. I've really enjoyed it, but I'm not sure that touring is like for me. Oh really? Fair. Oh, because I was just I just I was only there for four days, but I was just exhausted all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of just sitting around and not really doing much. Like, people think it's constantly doing stuff, but it's yeah. not. That. Yeah. Um, and especially if you're like me, like, I get up. I probably was getting up about the same time as the crew were getting up. Yeah. To load in. That's early. So I'm, like, awake even longer than everybody else and doing nothing for even longer than everybody else. I get you. Um, but then when Foley asked me to come on this tour, I was like, it's a different kind of tour. Shikari was, you know, you you do the show, you get on the bus, 
you go to sleep, you wake up in the next place, you do the show, you get on the bus, you go to sleep, wake up in the next place, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. But this was, you know, you do the show, you get in the van, you drive like 20 minutes to your hotel. We'd share hotel rooms, there'd be like three of us to a room. Mm. So you'd have your shower, you get into a bed, you might wake up early, but you've kind of, it's more normal, there's more like routine. And then you get up, you drive two hours to the next place, you play the show, yeah, have a shower, go to sleep in your hotel room. Like, I felt like that was maybe more of a tour for me than a bus tour, potentially. Yeah, I get you. Um, but also, this was two weeks, so I was more settle- settling into it by the end. Mm-mm. Whereas with the Shikari tour, I'd done four days, I felt like I was just starting. Yeah. I was starting to get into it, and then... And then it was so over. maybe if that had been longer, maybe if I'd done longer, I would have felt more comfortable with the with the bus tour. I don't know. How long have you been doing photography for? Um, so I used to shoot my friend's metal bands and stuff from about sixteen. I got like a Nikon bridge camera for a birthday or something, and I just shot crappy gigs at the unicorn and boston music rooms all that kind of stuff um because all my friends were in metal bands i'm not really sure how that happened but you know um and then when i started uni i went to my freshers fair and bankrate records had a stall at um freshers and i said hey do you guys need any photographers for your gigs um i'd love to do it um and they were like, oh, just email this person. This is John. He, like, owns and runs the shop. He'll let you know. So I emailed asking if they needed any photographers and got a reply back saying, no, we don't need anybody. I was like, okay, that's yeah. fine. Because they did say, you know, if you buy a ticket, you're welcome to bring a camera to whatever. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to be in Kingston all the time. And I'm always buying cds and because with banquet you buy a cd you get a ticket with it you don't pay extra for a ticket you yeah. just pay the price of a cd Mm-mm. so i was like okay that's fine i'll i'll do that and then like a day later i got an email back going actually we're starting a club night on a friday at mccluskey's do you want to be our club photographer we'll pay you 20 quid for two hours i was like oh my god <laughs> of course i will i've never been paid to do my photography before i'd love to do that yeah so i did that and then, as a perk, I would get to shoot the uh, like the gigs and stuff. I'd get free entry into the gigs and I'd be allowed to take photos and whatever. And then when they stopped doing dance, I started shooting new, their new slang, which is their like actual night. So dance was just kind of a bit of a moneymaker, like club night on a Friday for the, um, for the university kids or whatever. Yeah. Um, but Thursday night's new slang was the like the one that was for like by banquet for banquet for music fans kind of thing. yeah yeah so that was you know indian rock and whatever um and they would have bands play and that's when we had people like the 1975 come through and yeah uh and we had people like all time low and yumi at six and maximo park and bombay bicycle club wow and, uh so while i was at uni i was studying geography because I did you know quite um uh uh what's the word were you like academic yeah quite academic subjects did like maths chemistry biology geography at a level right um and so I wanted to do geography 
because that was kind of what I was good at. Um, but while I was at uni, I was just working every spare second that I wasn't at uni and I wasn't working in Weatherspoons yeah. to to try and gain connections, to network, to shoot as much music as possible and get better. Yeah. Um, so I taught myself how to shoot. I taught myself how to edit. Um, and so it meant that when I finished uni, I went straight into being self-employed because I'd managed to quit working at Weatherspoons in my last year of uni because shooting club nights was enough. Yeah. I was shooting club nights Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You must have been knackered. Yeah, I was. I was I was so tired. But and it wasn't a lot of money, but it was enough money that I didn't have to work yeah. for five pounds fifty an hour in spoons. I didn't have to do that anymore, so I quit. That meant that yeah, when I finished I could just go straight into trying to make it a full time thing. And it wasn't easy and I wasn't making a lot of money. Mm. Um you know, I I'm fully aware of the fact that if I didn't have my family, if I didn't wasn't living at home, there was not a chance I would have been able to do any of it. Um, so I'm really aware of like that privilege. Um, but having that, having the safety net of, you know, only having to pay rent to my family and not having to pay rent to like a landlord of like hundreds and hundreds of pounds more. Yeah. You know I mean? was, yeah. Was really what helped me there. Um, because otherwise I definitely wouldn't be doing this still now. I would have had to have gotten a inverted commas real job. I would probably be a geography teacher or something. I wasn't really sure, you know, did I want to be a vet? Did I mm. want to do this? Did mm. I want to do that? Mm. And then by the time I got to uni, I was like, well, I still don't know what I want to do, so I guess I'll just do this because I'm good at it. Worked out, though, because arguably, maybe if you hadn't been at uni, you might not have ever... Oh, 100%. I think I can pretty much pinpoint all of this really starting to go somewhere from John Tolley saying, come and shoot our club night. So I can... I kind of owe everything to banquet records in that respect this is this is like i i think banquet's been mentioned many times on my podcast already really but it just shows how important that that whole scene is 100 percent um i mean (laughs) jez is there in the house now and he's just so much better than i was (laughs) he's just so much better and i'm like i thought it was so great it's that imposter syndrome thing, you know, when you're really terrible, you think you're really good, but when you're, when you're actually, like, fairly good, you think you're terrible. Yeah. That's, that's what happens. Oh. <laughs> um, but Jez genuinely, like, kills it now. That's kills so good. It. That's so good. <laughs> I've noticed that tour photography and, like, like, photographers following bands around specifically on tour, I feel like that's, like, maybe I'm just naive or ignorant. I feel like that's quite a recent thing, like, to to really have picked up uh yeah uh, i mean from the area that i came up in like small hardcore bands they always had people touring with them oh really yeah i mean i feel like in the kind of small to medium heavier bands mm. there were always people going out on tour because it was that kind of like yeah i'll just go out on tour with my mates kind of thing <laughs> um and take photos but with the bigger bands yeah i would say that it wasn't necessarily always a thing. I think it's the rise of social media that's really done it. Yeah. Um, especially with content creators like Tom Pullen and Ian Coulson. They're creating video. And when, I mean, Josh Walling doesn't really do so much for it anymore, but when he was touring, you know, the three of them were creating the style that people were copying. People weren't copying it well. <laughs> Let's be for real, you know. 
Um, but they, they were the ones that people wanted to emulate their tones, their styles. And I think they were kind of like really the pioneers of the touring photographer, videographer community, I guess. Yeah. Um, shooting video on a tour is not, it's not as easy as people seem to think it is. There's a lot of people who just shoot stills, decide to go into shooting video, thinking that it'll be easier and it's not. And then the work reflects that it's not as easy as it looks, um, which is why I personally never went into it. You know, I, th I feel like um, for the people who are getting into video now, I potentially think it's too late because I think video is now slightly on the decline. I could be, I could also be wrong with that. But I feel like um, attention isn't, attention spans aren't long enough on social media anymore for watching videos it's ridiculous right it used to be i've not got the attention span to read this post yeah now it's like i've not got the attention span to stay on a video for they've, longer than 30 got, seconds you know i think it's also i think it's because of stories because you can click past them they're 15 seconds long but you can click past them all. yeah you don't have the attention span to sit there and watch a video for 15 seconds it's nuts unless you really want to watch it yeah you don't have the attention span for it so you know, I used to get upset because I was like, oh, I think these bands don't take me because I don't do video. Mm. And it probably was true. But I don't think I've actually lost out from not doing video. I think if I'd have started doing video um, two or three years ago when I was starting to kind of try it, yeah. if I'd properly gotten into it, I think I wouldn't be where I am now. I wouldn't have the successes I have now because I would have spread myself thin. It's just tough because you don't know... Social media changes everything. It changes the game mm -hmm. so quickly and so often. Every time they, they bring in a new update, it changes the game. Yeah. And you have to uh, you have to keep abreast of it. You know, if you don't, you fall behind. What kind of publications have you been shooting for then in recent recent years? <laughs> so when I started off, I shot for Alt Sounds. They were the first people to take me on. Um, I don't know if anyone really remembers Alt Sounds, but they were kind of like just an online publication. Um, and then Punktastic and Bring the Noise took me on at the same time, pretty much. And then I stuck with them for a while. And then two and a half years ago, well, longer ago than that, about three years ago, um, there like, I thought, let's take a punt. Let's email Rock Sound. Yes. And see if they might want me. I don't know if they will, but, you know, if you don't, try, you know. So I just sent an email to, I think it was just the general rock sound email address. I Amazing. didn't even know who exactly to send it to. Yeah. And I just said, hey, uh, my name is Corin. This is my website. If you guys ever need anybody, I'm London-based and I can go wherever I drive. I can do whatever. Yeah. And they said, oh, thanks for this. Um, we'll let you know if anything comes up. And then heard nothing. And I was like, you know what? I tried. Yeah. Because I always felt that... Because, you know, Kerrang! and Rock Sound, I grew up buying both. Yeah. Kerrang! Weekly, Rock Sound Monthly. Um, and, but I always felt that, creatively, Rock Sound was the right place for me mm, mm. if I were to work for one of the two. Yeah. And yeah, maybe like six months to a year went by and I'm at 2,000 trees for, I think I was there for Upset. Okay, cool. Or, yeah, I must have been there for Upset. Mm. Um, and there was, a guy I knew was there shooting for Roxanne. He was like, oh, 
I'm shooting for Roxanne this week and I think they're going to keep me on. And I was like, oh, that's really great for you. Like, yeah. I genuinely was happy for him. And I was like, that's really awesome. Um, and just, I left that conversation. It, we were at the cave and I left that conversation. I walked over to um, where the big 2000 Trees sign is by the tree. Yeah. And I sat down because that's the only place you got um, Wi-Fi. Okay. So I sat down there and I was just picked up a drink and I was drinking and I was checking through my emails and I had the email from Andy at Rock Sound. <gasps> Hi, Corin. Um, don't know if you're available to shoot Reading Festival, but we'd really like to have you to shoot Reading. And I screamed, <laughs> like, in the middle of 2000 Trees Festival, on my own, screaming, like, with joy, because I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's so good. I didn't know whether it was my email, because I didn't know who had replied to that email when I sent it before. Yeah, yeah. Because I just, I think I just sent it to the Roxanne email address. I literally had no idea. Um, and so I was like, oh my God, this, this is it. This is my chance. This is my chance. Seize it. So it's, uh, they'd only send that email not that long beforehand because this is a Thursday or a Friday. Yeah. Because, you know, 2003 is Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. So it's still work day. So I replied back. I was like, yes, I will 100% do that. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... As it turned out, uh, I was the only photographer for Rock Sound at, at Reading. Wow. I assumed I'd be part of, like, a team and I'd be, like, the lowest on the rung. Like, because... No, because, you know, there's, you know, Ben Gibson, Justine Trickett, Carla Mundy, um, Mark Forer. You know, I was like, I am small fry. <laughs> small fry. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, I'll you know, I'll pick up the ones that people don't want to do. Yeah, yeah. And then it turned out that I was going to be the only person shooting for Roxanne the whole weekend. And that was insane to me. It was honestly the hardest weekend. You know, Reading is is so Roxanne's demographic. And it? it's also an expanse. It's huge. Yeah, so, you know, I was jumping between the pit slash lock up or whatever mm. the main stage and the second stage and I was shooting I think on my busiest day I shot 16 bands wow so to do that much on your own and also be going back to the press tent and editing yeah and having it put out there we were live reporting it wasn't going to go just in like the magazine it was going yeah. online as it was happening for the socials and stuff so I had to be getting that stuff up quickly. So I was literally, you know, running back to the press tent at whatever point I could, editing, like, going... Well, while I was in the pit trying to um, rate the photos as I was taking them. Yeah. So if I took a photo and I was like, that's going to be a good one, I would just press the button and rate it without looking at it. I'd just rate it. Yeah, So yeah. that when I went back to the press tent, I could just be like... Boom, boom, boom. I could just look at the ones that were rated and just edit those ones because I only needed, like, ten. yeah and shove them up and like send them into the Dropbox. That's so good. And it was, it, I'd never worked like that before <laughs> um, because there'd never been that kind of time constraint on me. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, it was it was like a, a bit of like a out of the frying pan into the fire yeah. kind of experience. But apparently they liked it. <laughs> they, like, they liked my work and they liked my work ethic, I guess, because then after that they kept me on and I shot um mostly just the like live shows yeah um and then 
I got asked to do my first feature. Um, well, I drove down to Brighton to a rehearsal studios to meet up with Against the Current. Oh, cool. Um, to take some photos for this feature. And I was like, I came away from it and I was like, oh, I messed it up. I left it. <laughs> like, I really thought I'd kind of messed up my chances of doing that again. And I didn't get asked to do another feature ever. <laughs> oh, like, I, I didn't get asked to do another feature for a long time. Why did and you then, think it went badly? I mean, they were fine, but there wasn't... I was, my brief was plain white wall, plain coloured wall, Mm-mm. and that's it. But there was nothing like that there. There was a brick wall, and there was, like, a weird blue wall. I had to take some portraits of Chrissy, and I managed to find this kind of uh, map of the world thing, which I used that, but I didn't have... It wasn't big enough for me to shoot all three of them on it at one go. It was just... I just felt like I, I could have done better, but I couldn't have done in those circumstances yeah. because there wasn't anything to, to, to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so I didn't get asked to do anything. I didn't shoot another feature. Mm. And then, I don't think I got asked to do another feature until my, until my covers. Wow. <laughs> I could be wrong. Yeah. I could definitely be wrong. I think I was a bit of a wild card because it's kind of hard to trust someone to do to do more when you're not really sure what that's going to come out like. It was a bit like, like you're saying, a bit of a chance they took. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They didn't know whether you'd done that style before. Yeah, or... 100%. And when I did the um, Against the Current feature, I hadn't. I hadn't done anything like that. I completely winged it. I walked in there heart-thumping. It, it was fine. It just wasn't as good as I could have done kind of thing. Yeah. So then I was at Reading last year mm. and I got an email from from Andy. Hey, um, next week we have some time with I don't know how, but they found me and we need to shoot their cover. I was like, what? Are you being for real? Like that, that the cover? and he was like yeah it's a cover for our awards issues there's going to be 10 covers and you're shooting the I don't know how but they found me one and I was like okay great try and get them to come to my studio because then I can do that there and it'd be great but it turned out that there was no way with the way their schedule was that they could get to my studio so I had to while I was at Reading contact Wex Photographic okay, <laughs> and call them up and go, hey guys, I need to buy a white colorama, um, uh, like a half size one. So it's like one and a half meters long instead of three. And I need to be picked up by my, edit- by my editor and um, like on Monday or whatever it was because my shoot was on Tuesday. Okay. So I got home Sunday night, had Monday off and then my shoot was on Tuesday. I was at Reading, doing all the stuff that I, you know, have to do at Reading while yeah, shooting. Yeah, Boss also planning my first ever cover. I was literally an absolute mess. Like, I was <laughs> stressed out. Um, so they were playing at uh, O2 Islington. Okay. And I had to transform the stairwell behind the stage into a makeshift studio, uh, which was honestly mental. <laughs> we got on chairs and we're like getting duct tape and taping coloramas to the wall wow and then i'd managed to bring my um like some of my studio lights yeah from the studio with me in a taxi um 
And so I'm setting up these studio lights like, in the stairs. <laughs> At the end, I was so chuffed with how it turned out because I was so worried. But also mine was the first one to be shot of those 10. So I actually was shooting and didn't quite know how it's going to end out because uh, my brief was just clean and white. Yeah. So I shot clean and white. And then, um, and then by the time it got to shooting my Don Broco and my As It Is covers, like must have been like a month month and a half later or something the the brief had changed to be kind of like gray and monochrome okay. so we managed to change all of that in um post-production but it was really scary to be the first one and to think that you'd messed it up because <laughs> i mean i always feel every time i come out of a shoe i feel like i've messed it up oh no but i think it's kind of i think it's part of my process yeah to feel like I've messed it up when I leave and then to go home, load it onto my computer and be like, oh, I did all right. I did good. It's part of my process to feel like I didn't do good to begin with. I did those three covers in the space of like a month and a half. And then I was doing features um, as, and, as and when. Then the opportunity arose to go to Hong Kong to shoot um, Man With A Mission Wow. And originally it was supposed to just be a... <laughs> it was supposed to just be a feature. Yeah. And then once I got back, it ended up becoming a cover variant and a feature and a lookbook. It's kind of... It's kind of crazy how that has... From from where I started with Rock Sound. Yeah. To now. It's... it's I like... My mind actually sometimes doesn't comprehend it that I used to buy that magazine. Like, my mum used to give me uh, money for the for the train home and I used to get the bus home instead of the train just so I could save that money and buy Rock Sound. <laughs> like, it's, it's, ab- it's actually insane to me. Yeah, yeah. But now, like, I've got four covers on Rock Sound. That is very cool. Like, it's such a mental thing for, for like from my head because I saw that and I was like I swear I swear that I know you from Upset or like Dork and stuff like yeah. that and then I saw that you were working with Rock Sound and I was like <gasps> she's she's moving around <laughs> yeah because I mean technically I had been working for Rock Sound for a while but yeah um, the thing is with Rock Sound is I always um, I always thought of it as like the springboard in terms of like new and young photographers yeah. getting getting chances I feel I always felt like the people that shot for rock sound always went on to great things um, and that was kind of a team that I wanted to be part of yeah really what you've seen of the music industry have you found like there's a gender imbalance what's your views on that oh there definitely is yeah um, it was a lot worse when I was when I was starting out I think than it is now when I was starting I could pretty much guarantee that I would be the only female in the pit or one of maybe two or three it would be like a small percentage Mm. the thing is is I think there's a little bit of like a almost a ceiling I think that in kind of smaller venues so I'd say up to O2 Islington slash Kentish Town Forum size venues you'll find that they're mostly women in the pit and very few men and then when you get to the bigger venues I find that you'll get more men than women. Yeah. I I don't... I, I have nothing, no evidence to back that up other than that's kind of how I feel. Yeah. 
Um, and I don't know whether it's because in the smaller venues you've got women working for like magazines where you don't get paid or websites where you don't get paid. And then when you get to the kind of the bigger venues, you're more likely to encounter men working for uh, publications where you do get paid. I could be completely pulling that out of my <laughs> ass. But saying that, um, there definitely are, there's definitely like a growing number. I also wonder if it's, when you get to bigger venues, it's more um, agency photographers. Maybe. Um, because they're the bigger bands that are more likely to get bought by, you know, the Metro or whatever. Mm. So, and most agency photographers are men. Um and I think maybe that plays into it. You know, I couldn't really, I couldn't really tell for sure, but I do think that there's still like a, a definite gender imbalance for sure, especially but, when it comes to photographers that get paid. That's really interesting. Yeah, because at some point, as been coming up through you know the years, mm. the people that I used to shoot with back then, yeah, don't still shoot. They they've kind of fallen off because it, it's really hard um about a year a year ago I had like a bit of a meltdown and Jenny McCord and um Sarah Bennett are like two of my closest friends and we kind of we talk every day we have a group chat and I just had a bit of a meltdown to them because I'd started the studio and it was fine I was just about making enough money to cover the rent but I wasn't making anything else so the money that I was making elsewhere was the money I was using to like live, basically. People hiring my studio was just paying for the studio. It yeah. wasn't, you know. You weren't making any profit. No. If anything, I was kind of losing because I put all of my savings into it and I was, you know, traveling there to open it up for people. But then, you know, that all that money that I was being paid to open the studio was just going on the rent. Nothing about this has been easy, you know, and, um, I've had to sacrifice a lot, I think, to be to be doing this still. You know, I work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, it's constant, like always on the emails and traveling to the studio and keeping it clean and tidy and then supervising and, and then also in the evenings shooting, you know, uh, gigs and then club nights and then drag freelancing is like that though isn't it it's like it really is non-stop it, it is and it shouldn't be you know the grind like everyone goes oh it's the grind it's the grind mm. and it is the grind but it shouldn't be the grind at your like at the expense of your health or mental health which is what i've kind of i'm learning now if i have to say no to stuff i have to say no to stuff you know, and it's hard because you, you don't know when your next, when your next, like, job is going to come through. And, yeah. you know, this month might be great, but next month might be nothing. And so it's really hard to say no. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you just have to do it for your own, for your own health. What is your favourite thing about what you do? The fact that, like, I go to work and it's not work. Now I can't go on holiday for more than a couple of days because I just want to get back to work so bad. Tell us a bit about your studios. It's Hot Dog Studio, right? It is Hot Dog Studios. It's in Hackneywick. It's right next to the station. Um, It's like a small to medium sized studio. I kind of based it on a studio that I used before called Huddle, 
um, and it was great. It was so open and and airy, and I wanted to 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 create that feeling in other people that Huddle created in me. So I took inspiration from that and kitted it out with everything that you could possibly need, every colour, colour armour, um, <laughs> uh, lighting included, and I've also got video lights because, weirdly, when I opened it, I thought only photographers would want to use it, but actually videographers want to use it too. I've had a quite a few um, music videos filmed at my studio, which I always thought thought was too small for it, but apparently not. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Yeah, exactly. Um, but all that kind of like a price that... Um, is affordable because I remember once needing a studio and it was £200 for the day got there and it was someone's kitchen and he hadn't even like mopped the floor like it was horrible (gasps) it was really gross and I paid £200 for it Uh, and he had like one set of lights that didn't really work oh my gosh I brought my own lights and like one really gross colorama and I was like what if he can charge £200 for that and be booked for, like, literally his kitchen? To be fair, probably false advertising, though, right? Like, you probably... Yeah, it didn't you, look you like didn't... a kitchen. Yeah. Like, it looked like it was a, a purpose-built studio with a kitchenette in it. Yeah, yeah. It didn't look like the kitchen of someone's house, oh, which God. it was. Yeah, so that's pro- arguably, probably, you didn't get what you signed up for, basically. Do you know what I mean? True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, in that instance. Exactly. I just wanted it to feel... Like yeah, a nice place to talk to use, and I, I feel like as a as a um, strategy that's worked because people like I have a lot of repeat customers now. Really, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's good. I was going to ask you out of curiosity: Does the pit ever get really rough? The photo pit? Yeah, like, or is it always pretty good? Depends. Oh, okay. I'm going to say something <laughs> that's probably going to upset some people. Some people don't have pit etiquette. Yeah, it's photo pit etiquette things like don't shoot with a bag on your back obviously (laughs) um or like if someone's shooting don't purposefully get in their way to get to serve yourself you know because there are sometimes you'll be lining up a shot and then someone will like just jump in front of your shot or don't put your camera above your head in front of other people shooting and stuff like that so in in that regard yeah it can get can get a bit wild because (laughs) I have no qualms with having a go at people who are not who are not doing the correct thing. Yeah. Because you're not just like hurting other people, you're hurting yourself. Because other people will remember that you did that. I don't forget when people treated me badly or were not nice to me when I was coming up. Because just because those people are suddenly nice to me now doesn't mean that they're nice people. Yeah. I, I respect people more who are potentially not nice to me than are not nice to me now because they're, at least they're consistent. <laughs> Damn. True. <laughs> but um, it was funny, yesterday I had a message from someone on Instagram asking me, like, what I would... Um, what's, like, the biggest piece of advice I would give them or whatever. I was like, genuinely, just be kind to people because if you're, if you're unkind, people remember that. Yeah. And you're less likely to get jobs. Because they don't think you're a nice person. And I mean, kindness literally costs nothing. If you're having a bad day and, you're, and you know you're not going to be nice to people, don't, don't talk to people. Don't go out. Yeah. You know, there were days on the As It Is tour 
where I was like, I don't think I can be nice to people today. So I, and with the guys, yeah. it doesn't really matter. Everyone's like, a, you know, it's, it's like a family. You kind of, you kind of mean to each other in like a family way. You yeah. Know, you don't, yeah. you don't do it horribly. Yeah. Um, but I knew that there were certain days when I was just having a, I was not having a good time. And I was like, if I speak to any of these fans today, I will probably not be nice. So I'm not going to speak to anyone today. I think it's knowing when to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not the advice that people would expect from me, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. But I think it's probably one of the most important things, to be honest. That's a good time to end the interview. <laughs> I won't ask you any more questions. <laughs> oh, oh, Cecil is done. <laughs> There you go, some insight into music photography and the response of a very sleepy Cecil. I hope you feel inspired to grab your phone or camera and get snapping at some local shows. Crowd surfing with a DSLR camera is optional. Thank you so much for listening. Don't miss out. Subscribe to the Roxy and Queens podcast for all future episodes. Also, feel free to share or leave a review if you're listening via Apple Podcasts and you like what you hear. Until next time.